The Incomparable, number 145, June 2013. Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and this is one of those very special editions of The Incomparable, where rather than listening to voices far away on Skype, which is how we normally do these episodes, instead, I am in a little room with very little ventilation with three of our fine, fine panelists. And uh, we're going to discuss television, the end of the the uh, most recent TV season, and most specifically, uh, just as we did in person a year ago, uh, Game of Thrones, which is one of my favorites, and this third season just wrapped up. And so we're going to talk about that for a while, and then we'll uh, talk about other TV shows at the end if we have time. So joining me in this tiny room, right across from me right now, it's John Syracuse. Hi, John. The reason our wrists are all tied together and we have switchblades in our other hands? Is that part of this? No, that's just... Uh, uh, also, this isn't very late at night for any of you. I have three East Coasters here, so that's that's fascinating. It's it's 5 p.m. Pacific as we record this. They're tired anyway. Dan Morin is right across from me. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. I see I, you. I didn't know how... How do we... So, John, explains to me how we have our hands tied together and switchblades. <laughs> Haven't you seen... When the other hand, like West Side Story... Oh, I see. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I thought you said, like, hands tied... Wrist tied no, together. it's like... You meant the fight. I, I see what you're fighting. saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I've learned all the things you bit. haven't seen. Maybe you haven't seen West Side when Story. You're, when you're a jet... You're a jet all the way. All right, okay. That's the Westeros. The all musical. When you're a Stark, you're a wolf all the way. It's basically the Game of Thrones just on the Game of Streets. Yes. The the sure that's right that I like it here in Westeros. No, that doesn't work either. There's not enough syllables. This, you've just given terrible you, ideas to some of our listeners. You I'm heard sure. Serenity Caldwell there, who is here as well. Hi, hello. It's good to have you in this little tiny, very hot room. It is good to be here. Well, maybe not in the little tiny room, but it's good to be on the podcast. <laughs> yes, it's good. It's good that we're all here together. So, Game of Thrones season three. Just I ended. saw this room on the podcast. I think Theon's in it for most of the season. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. That's uh, hmm. yeah. You know. So that was one of the – I actually think that was one of the things that worked the least in season three of Game of Thrones. Let's blow the spoiler horn, by the way. If you haven't seen season three of Game of Thrones – Why are you here? We are going to spoil God some knows. things. You should forward until later later in the podcast where we'll talk about other things. Look at the show notes and find the time code and jump over this. Okay. Yeah, and speaking of spoilers, I want to thank all the people here on The Incomparable and who are not on the show who have read the books, who managed not to spoil anything in the season for me, which must have been difficult. Mm, it was painful, and yes. And you did it well enough that I didn't see any of the things coming, and I thank you all for it. That's good. So you didn't see the Red Wedding coming then? Yeah. That's we, like, good. we like to maintain narrative integrity. Mm. You know, I was wondering, actually, during Emotional this entire story. process, how... Because obviously you can go – one of the nice things about these books is um, it, they, they read sort of like history books, but they're not based on real history. So you can't just go to Wikipedia and say, I wonder how this all turned out because it's all made up. You kind of can, though. Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia has everything. Wikipedia well, does yeah. have everything. Well, well, I mean for the books as you're reading them, the right. books – once all the books are out, I mean nobody knows how this, how this ends in right, detail right. because those books haven't been written. But for the TV show, it's a different story. You could read the books. You could read the Wikipedia pages about the books and you could find out everything. And I think it's actually pretty cool that despite all of that and the fact that these secret spoilers were out there for I, – I, A Storm Thir- of Swords 13, was, 13 years. was written in – published in 2000. 
And yet, on that night when that episode aired and everybody died at the Red Wedding, the internet exploded. How how nice is that? That if something 13 years old, people managed to not spoil themselves about it. Nobody reads books, Jason. Yeah, but Rick, the they could have spoiled themselves on the Wikipedia. But the spoilers were out there, is what I'm saying. And yeah, and, and people were restraining themselves. Them I had a moment of thinking that maybe something else had happened because I didn't watch it right away. I had had it delayed, <laughs> and so everybody's freaking out. I'm like, can't believe they killed the phrase. Yeah, it's like, whoa, whoa, what's what's going on? But then I realized it was just you know a bunch of people. I like whoever said. There's someone on Twitter who commented, like, now you know what all your nerd friends were upset about 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I think those books are not as popular as, uh, like, not as broadly popular They've as become... things like. Right. But, like, 13 years ago, like, Lord of the Rings, like, every nerd you knew has read Lord of the Rings, but not everywhere. In our, it's like like Wheel of Time. Well, like, I know some people who read Wheel of but, Time, but I know plenty of people who didn't, you know? But Lord of the Rings was a, was a weird two-stage thing, too, right? Because it came out in, what, the 50s, 60s? Yep. But it really achieved popularity sort of like the later 60s, 70s when yeah, it had, hippies, like, the cultural. Up, right, yeah. Exactly. Well, so I think, I think it's a similar sort of thing with Game of Thrones where you had a lot of people who read fantasy books. And even I knew some people who weren't regular fantasy book readers but read Game of Thrones back in the you know, late 90s, early 2000s, but now it's really hit mainstream because of the HBO series, and you see a lot of people going yeah. back and rereading it or going back and reading it for the first time. Um, so it, it has that sort of two waves of audience in the same way that I think that Lord of the Rings yeah. did. And I think it doesn't have, like, the broad nerd appeal. Like, there are certain things we just assume, we assume all nerds have seen Star Wars, right? Everyone mm-hmm. knows about Star Wars, we assume that's happening. Right. But in fantasy novels, there's very few of them that get all the nerds. Some fan- some people are into, like, they read the Piers Anthony's when they were kids, but not all of them. Some of them read the Dragonlance books, but not all of them. Tolkien well, is the only one we can assume everybody read. And so now this one... More of a time investment, too, it's, right? It's, than, it's than like 5,000 yeah, pages, or, or like, right? Or like, like Wheel of Time. You know, mm-hmm. like some, I know some very friends are into books. that, but not all. So if they made a Wheel of Time TV series, maybe they already have. But if they did, a lot of people would be surprised, even among nerds, because not everyone read Wheel of right. Time. And a lot mm-hmm. of other people would be surprised because they'd be like, yeah, this is really crappy. <laughs> <laughs> and long. So and long. Really long. And he so can't write long. women. Oh, I'm sure it has a satisfying ending. So um, not written by him. Also <laughs> different in, in this season is that they didn't attempt to adapt all of this massive, I think, it's I think wi- wild, uh, widely considered to be the best of the series, the Storm of Swords. I think it's the best one, too. And But it's very long, and they didn't even try. They, they took some stuff. Um, it, it's not all in the same. It's not like they cut the book in half, either, because there's some stuff that's been moved around. The time sequence from the book's not going to spoil the books or anything for you, John. Right. But, but they made some really... Nice editorial decisions in the, the, having this mass of, of work by George R. R. Martin and plot that they have laid before them. They they got to like move it around and take it and 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 shift it in ways that were really smart that that allowed them to compress the story in some ways that I think they that um, were clever because even now this season is not a one to one. There will be some stuff in next season that will be from the third book and then presumably some stuff from the fourth and fifth books too. Right. So they're 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 diverging. Unlike the first two seasons, which were pretty straight copies of the first two books that they're diverging a lot more changes. now yeah i mean well the, the theon thing in particular i mean again i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that that's not in storm of swords no. like that's in a that's elsewhere theon in, comes back later and there's a flashback of, oh i was tortured right and that's all well, new you just spoiled <laughs> the fact really that know. he lives well but does he <laughs> for for a while <laughs> we all live for a while Jason. that's right well i mean you know that he was living at the end of this Season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, but like, presumably his story well, will be told at some point. I'm, my point is that it isn't told while he's being tortured. It's, it's, it's told later. A, it's more of a spoiler for reading the books because he, at some point, disappears off the stage and you don't hear about him for like two books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And then finally he reappears. We're here, we see that, oh, bad things. This is what was happening again. to him all Although I don't, there were too many of those 
that went on too long. Well, yeah, it, they kept going back to him, and it was like I don't is, enjoy is, is, watching is torture. Plot, is this plot line going to advance, or like is there going to be some sort of development? Well, I found it really interesting that they kind of held off until the season finale of this season to say, "Oh, this is who this person is that's been torturing him," and we finally get the connecting point. This isn't really a spoiler well, for future seasons, but we get the connecting point of where we meet Theon again in the books, which is as a character named Reek. Yeah. So it's it's weird that we're going to try and cram this all into the ending. I think they were trying to go for an emotional impact where you just feel Theon's been broken down, but I think it probably just went on too well, they're, long. They're also going for the double the double hit of the Boltons, right. where one of them has betrayed the Starks. Great and then, family. And then meanwhile, his <laughs> bastard son is the one who's been torturing Theon. And by the way, in that last episode, resolving the great mystery that everybody was asking about the last episode last year, which is like, who who set fire to Winterfell? What happened there? And it turns out this is all the Boltons doing, and now they're in charge of Winterfell. I, I got to say this about <laughs> about Ramsay, though, because um, I mean he is a very notable character in the books because he is basically a psychopath. Um, Putting it lightly, but yeah. does, it, does anybody else? Does he look like a demented hobbit? I will eat you for my second breakfast. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. Got the curly hair. I, I don't need. It's very uh, odd. I don't. I don't need to see that much torture. That's too. That's. I get the much, idea, right? I got ask, the idea. Let me ask you a question. It was like the How sex much torture position. do you need to see? <laughs> it was like the sex position in previous seasons where it's like, yeah, okay, you're on HBO. I get it. But do you have – which they didn't do this season so much. I think there was like one scene that I would consider that where it's like, well, we're on HBO. We could have like and, – and it's where Melisander is uh, seducing uh, uh, Gendry, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. right? And it's like, why did that – was that even necessary? Well, she was just kind of messing How with How else are you going to get a leech on him? <laughs> Apparently, this is the only way. You oh, have the entire King's Guard at your disposal. Yeah. Yeah. Seduction is the only way. Well, but the torture was like that for me too. It was like kind of gratuitous, but it's one of my only complaints about this whole season because I really I thought that this was the best of the three seasons, and that they really kind of um, because because every episode felt more together to me. Like there were they managed to take these these plot threads and by moving them around create individual episodes that were thematically related in a way that before i felt like they were just kind of spooling out the various plots and in you know this year we had an episode that was very much about parents and children there was an episode with all these kind of like animal references and people as animals there was the uh there was the uh an episode about sacrifice there was an you know they they they, they found little thematic ways of tying these episodes together the the one where um that it ends with Littlefinger doing his whole thing about the the climb that was juxtaposed yeah, yeah. Oh, with was the great. climbing up the wall yeah, with yeah. with mm-hmm. Jon Snow and uh, his girlfriend um, whose name escapes Egret. 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 Um, she's, an e- she's a bird. She's a bird. No, with a Y. Egret with a Y. Um, that I just like that because it that was that struck me as being a really impressive piece of of um, of writing and of. A plot kind of machinations to get those episodes to feel like they weren't just part of a stream of plot, but actually had some things that made them episodes that 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 tied them together in that one hour. I think uh, more broadly, there's the there's a kind of where they're trying to go back to the same well twice this season and last season, and it's like an overall structural problem of the TV show so far. Is that the last season ended with like, hey, look, White Walkers, aren't they scary? Here they come, right? And it's like, oh goodness, the next season. Those White Walkers, and and this season, oh goodness, White Walkers, yes. here, here they come. They're they're out there. It's like they were Jump. coming last season. They walk too. slowly, and now they're coming. <laughs> they're this walkers, se- not how, runners. How many seasons can you get? And what was the end of the season? 
Hey, guess what, guys? They're coming. They're coming. The white. I know they're coming. They're, where are they? They're not here. It's like it's just a hint. You gotta understand. These guys, they're coming. Yeah. They're bad. They're coming. They're bad. Maybe if they, you know, hit Eli's. You over the head it's not. It's not winter yet, Eli's right? I think coming. that. I think that's. This is a problem in the books too. Is that it's a great opening. The fr- opening scene of the TV series and the opening scene of the first book is right. this zombie attack, and you're like, whoa, what's that? And then there's nothing more about it forever. Yeah, no, I think that works. And I thought they were building up to it, and it's like, but you can't just keep going back. And so now they they keep going back. Like, those guys are coming. And the second thing, this is something I do like about it. And again, I don't know how this actually goes in the books, but uh, if you if you were to do a story like uh, you've seen the story of like a, there's a young boy or whatever, and he's he's nobody, but he used to be somebody, and his entire family was killed, and he's going to come of age and seek revenge and gain power or whatever, right? Uh, what <laughs> who, game? Of, who do you think that is? What, in this what, book? <laughs> what game? What Game of Thrones is like is is like don't start the boy with the story with the young person whose whose family was tragically killed and he has to come from nothing to whatever. Start with the family, show them all being killed, yes. and then the only person left is like you know what's her name Arya out there, and now she is like the young person whose family is but. But we don't start there. We got to see the other family and got to see them all be killed. Because, you know, in real life, you don't just come in at the beginning of the hero's journey. Uh, you come in, uh, you well, know. By the hero by that, is born, and then right. by that logic, you have yeah. multiples though, because you also have Bran and Sansa and right. Jon Snow. Well, right, right, they're right. all but, still but, alive. But like, because and, the, and Daenerys, whose family used yeah. to run Westeros. Well, we, yeah, right? well, we didn't get to see that, but that's the typical thing. Daenerys yeah. is like, oh, I came from. But it's like they decided to start history at a point, and that's why everyone was flipping out because in, in regular TV shows, when you have you know Eddard Stark right. in the beginning, it's like he lived, but no, he dies. All right, well then the rest of the Starks must be about no. Rob. No, they're going to die too. And so yeah. now who is left? This is the Sopranos. It's about the Sopranos, and then by the third season all the sopranos are Tony's dead right exactly (laughs) but but i I think that works to help you to help you feel her loss yes because instead of just starting with her and they're having some backstory of her saying well they killed my parents and i'm real mad about it Mm -hmm. we're mad about it because we got to see it and we got to know the parents i think that mm -hmm. is a good way to have a long-running television show even if people aren't used to it because it accurately reflects how pissed she is basically at about what's happened to her family we totally hate joffrey more because of what happened to ned stark right i mean that that is a villain who has earned it more by us seeing him be villainous and, well, and just continuing to live just season after yeah. season well there's a, i think it makes it's a reason that explains to me why even in the books i'm more sympathetic to most of these starks than i am to say daenerys who i still think is portrayed as a positive you know protagonist but she, but she's also power hungry like why can't you just have a nice life out there in the plains wasn't wasn't good because she's her. born to be well yeah. I, but I, she is you, fireproof i mean you, you also like, hear you, you, you have know, to do something she's got dragons you hear about all the stories about all her her family but the problem is you get it through very conflicted yeah. lenses because you hear about how insane the old king was right, and right. all these things so you're like maybe it wasn't such a bad thing that we uh, killed but, all these so my, dudes my wife is is reading the first book now after having seen the these three seasons and um she and i were talking about how um, in some ways, even though we all think of this as the story of the Starks, so so, and and you're right, John. Then then they all die, and you realize we're seeing the story of some of these people who are picking up the pieces after the right. Starks' home is burned down, and most of them are killed. But I said, in some ways, what we're really seeing, the story we're really seeing, is the story of what happens after that brief period of calm following the destruction of the Targaryens that right. that that in many ways this story starts with the mad king being killed by Jamie Lannister and that Robert Baratheon was able to like keep it together for a little while but he was a he was a singular figure and beneath it everybody else was lining up for what was going to happen yeah. when he died and so it, it's funny that that you know we're not seeing the story of the Starks but we're also 
you know, in some ways, this is this is all based on a story that we didn't get to see, which and and not even in flashback, right? Which is just they keep talking about Robert's rebellion, we don't get to see it, but that's where everything went to hell because the Targaryens ruled for whatever, like a thousand years or hundreds of years or I don't even well, that, know. That's why, Lark's, time. that's why Lark's is like a Tolkien type thing of like, oh, I'm not writing fiction story. This is a found history because it right. extends mm-hmm. out in both directions, right? Yeah. And it just keeps going on back to the past. And we have to start the story somewhere, but don't like well, who, just because someone well, is the rule of the Robert would be boring, and, you know, right? It's just like he was yeah. fat. He went hunting. Everybody was OK. The Targaryens weren't around anymore. They were crazy anyway. But we do have that in the background so that we understand Daenerys's whole little yeah. little game, which I actually kind of like this season. This season, you get more of a sense of like before she was the underdog, and we were kind of rooting for her. Like you know, she's the last of her kind, and they they, they deposed her. And sure, maybe that relative was crazy, but she's plucky, and she's going to come back. And in this season, especially leading up to this last episode, I kept looking at her actions and thinking, um, "Uh oh, she's a Targaryen." You know, she's let's wait a second. <laughs> they they were they were kind of kind of dangerous. Maybe they? we didn't do such a wonderful <laughs> yeah. thing. I mean, like she's got, she's got spunk, but the spunk is one thing, and then after you've like destroyed two cities, it's not spunk anymore. Now you're just now you're a problem. Just you rolling. have to be a uh, you have to be a conqueror to be queen, right? Yeah. Well, she's proving that she's you know she's she's not just uh, oh I wish I was I wish I could go back home and then become the queen. She's like I'm going to take some stuff over over here. Well, yeah, she's I, had a really tough life. I mean, you think about the fact that she was basically left for or like everybody thought she was dead. She was shuffled off of her home. She watched her parents die. Um, she had to grow up with her crazy, think, crazy. I think technically brother. she didn't even watch her parents die. I think she was she was a baby, and was spirited yeah. away. Yeah. Well, she's. I think she's. Is she supposed to be a toddler? I feel like she's gonna. She's a couple no, I, years old. She, I, I think, think she's a baby. I think now. she was she, a baby, and her brother was, who 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 got his head melted. Yeah, yeah. By the way, you left out of, among her list of traumas. Her brother got his head melted. Yes. Well, well he that kind was kind of, of a good thing. Yeah. There, is an, there yeah. is another. Still her brother. Yeah, and there was another. There was another brother too. I think in there too. Well, the brother who got his his brains bashed. Who was supposed to marry, or. Yeah, there was. There's more. There obviously, yeah, there's tons of more mess. history there. Oh, the, the more I it's watch the show, though, having read the books, the more I think that the show is angling Daenerys as the protagonist for Game of Thrones. Maybe not so much for Song of Ice and Fire. I think the books do that but... too. I just never bought into it. That's, I, that's... I, I, well, at this point, I feel like Arya is our is, <laughs> is our is our hero. She's, I mean, maybe she dies in, the most in episode, episode one of like whatever because she she shouldn't she she is like. Surviving against all odds, but in a typical TV right. show, like your hero, like should have been de- dead long ago and survives, and everyone else is around her is dying. She should have been dead a hundred times over, and just like through sheer luck and her own, you know, uh, wherewithal. I'm not saying it's unrealistic. I'm just saying like she fits the mold of the character. Who boy, look at her. She still managed to stay alive against all odds. Yeah, well, uh, alive that's one in of the body. things about this series is that you know the molds don't always apply. Like that's you know in the same way that. My friend Brian, who was my, one of my roommates in college, was the first one to recommend Game of Thrones to me. And when I asked him about it, he was like, oh, it's, it's a fancy book. But the difference between it and all the other fancy books you read is people get into impossible situations and, and then they don't, don't get, get out of them. Of them. <laughs> um, and to me, you know, that that is what is the main attraction of Game of Thrones, especially put up against something like Tolkien, which is very much typical heroic mold, is that stuff doesn't quite fit into the same pattern. Sure, there's always templates and stuff you can apply and there's there's partial matches here and there, but overall the story itself doesn't necessarily tick all the boxes. Things that you think would happen based on this character did this and this and this and that positions them to do this. Oh wait, they're just been murdered, you know, like that it doesn't always yeah. play out I that mean, way. It's it's more real, it's like the wire in that and it's more right. realistic where that like all these sort of smart people who do the right thing repeatedly and are heroic and daring 
and calculating and set themselves up for victory and a good life and then just make a misstep right and 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 that's it like with, with rob rob stark he he did a good job more or won, less won every battle yeah mm-hmm. he, he won every battle like and it, he he had his doubts and he had his problems and he made some mistakes and everything and when he went off to get married i'm like this is not going to go well but i didn't think <laughs> everybody would die you know you figure especially they did a the great misdirect on the television show where they you know I, I when I said I didn't know it was going to happen, I knew that it was not going to go off the way they thought it did because Walter Frey on the show was just you know yeah. like he's a grim, evil, he's super creepy, evil. right? But, but what they did was like, oh, and they do the stuff. They're telegraphing to the viewers here something bad is going to happen, and then they shoot them like in the shoulders with arrows. And you're like, oh, see, everything's going bad. But they shot them in the shoulder. That's what they always do. Yeah, is like you non, want someone the non fatal. You want someone yeah. to live, like Egret shooting Jon Snow at like nine times with an right. arrow. But none of them are center mass, so you figure, well, I mean, he's alive at the end of the season, right. whatever on for, purpose, what, right? Perhaps, maybe. Well, she loves him too much. Yeah, and so <laughs> but, I love you so much. She, I'll shoot you fatally. She, she loves him a lot, but not. Enough, but she does she want wants, him to feel some pain a little. Yes, bit. Mm-hmm. right. But anyway, but they they got shot. Both of them, Rob and his mother, got shot like in the shoulders and in, right. in the leg or whatever. And you're, and you're like, and that was what you would expect from a TV show because I saw it wasn't going to go well and didn't go well. But like, oh, they all lived. And then like they, they cut away for something else. Then they cut back and like, oh, now they now they're finishing no, the they're job. Going to kill them. Yep. Now. Yeah, like as soon as as soon as someone took the uh, Walter Frey's uh, wife and held her hostage, it was like it's not going to do anything. What are you no. doing? The, uh, <laughs> I mean, all the viewers know that that is a useless gesture. Well, the most brutal yeah. one to me was still the the Rob's wife. Like that scene is just yeah. that was yes. oh my god like that, that uh, and, and that and her I expected to die because she was right. introduced this season she was the innocent she had right? a fairy tale story she she would die to punish Rob and he would always regret her death and he regretted her death for like five minutes <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a lot of time for it he, he yeah. learned a valuable lesson and then died yeah it's a uh, and that's a that's actually a book change where they that's a much more sympathetic character and then in the novel he marries sort of a she's no she's a, a, a cipher essentially yeah. and and uh and it's and they make her pregnant and she's she's likable and smart and it hurts we also know, never more. get yeah. we never get in the book Despite Rob being such a central character, he's never a viewpoint character. Right. So he's we never more, he's more mysterious and he feels much more present in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and he, he's very dashing he, and he's he's, he felt his he's everything to... that Joffrey isn't, right? Yeah. He's the young guy who really could be the king, who he's made some bad decisions, but he's he's kind of like his father, right? He's he he's we like him and his heart's in the right place. He's far but too he, noble for but this. But he does game. some stuff and gets himself killed. I mean, yeah. and he and he has re, he had his doubts in the beginning, like, oh, am I going to be king of the north? And kind of had to be have it thrust upon him. But then once he took the mantle of it, he's like, all right, let's run with this, and we can get it done. And he seems competent and everything, uh, you know. And and I thought he seemed hard nosed enough to get the job done. It's just that, uh, I mean, I would blame his mother because on the show, yeah. she's the one he went to her for advice, and she's the one, you know, what we should go, let's go, just go, let's go to that, let's go get married, get that guy married, we should do it. And that was yep. that was the wrong call. <laughs> bad, bad call. Oh, and the other person I, I surprisingly sympathetic I found in this season is uh, Tywin Lannister. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's suddenly become like my favorite guy because he's, he's like, great, he's yeah, like Charles. Look, I need to rule the world. Would you people stop getting in my way? He, if he would just put, it was just put him in charge, and everything would be better in kind of the it, it, for the peasants. Because he would like slaughter all the other families and like get everyone in line, and the peasants would be like, "Finally, peacetime again." And <laughs> and yet he he has to control like from the shadows or whatever. And I I feel his frustration. He's like, "I'm surrounded by idiots, and my little dwarf son is always whining to me, and Joffrey is just terrible, and I have to like send him to bed, and and you know he summons me to the throne room, and I have to walk all the way down there and go." 
Uh, <laughs> he's um, it's funny because you know first off we're not supposed to like the Lannisters, but uh, it's such a great character, and you get the sense that he's. You know, he's a professional. He knows what he's doing. We may not like what he's doing. A professional, but he, terrible person. But he knows what he's doing. He really does. And in fact, you could argue that what he's doing may lead to a lot less pain and chaos in, in the net as what a lot of other people are doing, even though in the specific yeah, I mean, it's awful also, and we don't the, like him. In the words of, you know, in the words of The Wire, he's also, you know, a man with a code in that – you know, I, yeah. I particularly like that scene in the in the last episode, which where they talk about you know family is so important. Yeah. You know, clearly he believes that he has a very twisted view of yeah. what uh, the, it co- means. the code is nonsensical, but absolutely, it's a code. but it's consistent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like and so that to right. me, and he especially right. he a, doesn't care about his family enough to actually love his he cares dwarf the name, son. Right. right? He loves he loves the enough, name enough, and enough the not to kill him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, to I, me, which is love. The, the win for him all season. My favorite scene all season, I think, had to do with him interacting with Diana Rigg, yeah, who plays. Lady, uh, Tyrell. Lady, Lady Tyrell. Oh yeah, and the, the two of them were just. Fa- I half expected one of them like they just jump they, across the table and kiss each exactly. other. Exactly, <laughs> like, shove everything off the table and start making out. We were made for each other. <laughs> Maybe off screen. Yeah, I, I keep waiting for for Tywin's backstory because, especially when he was talking about his son, or because something made Tywin Lannister, and you think it would have to be some formative experience as a child where he adopted the code of family first and family above all, or whatever. I don't know if we'll ever get his backstory, but he is. He's interesting to me in a way that in this in this year, Tyrion like you think, but I guess kids don't get over get over this. Like he's always looking for his father's love, and at a certain point, Tyrion's got to be like, "Look, it's not going to happen, dude." And you're you're and like the, the worst thing about that relationship is they are the most alike. I know like, he is his father's right, son. Right. It's so they, painful, right? And to see them bounce off each other, and that's that's Tywin's failing. Is like I think he should be smart enough to see. Look, you had all these children, and that one is the yeah, little he, mini you. He can't get over his hatred of Tyrion enough to realize yeah, that he is the best kid. He is, and he has the most value and, of all his and, children, and he is so <laughs> much like him. Like he is basically his father, but with the self-esteem problem. Yeah. Well, it, Which is and, horrifying <laughs> to Tywin when you really think about it, is that he doesn't want to be known as his yeah. legacy as his dwarf son who killed his wife. And Tywin, I mean, we don't get a lot of straightforward backstory on Tywin, but you get hints. I mean, you get the fact that he basically had to deal with the revolution and the uprising against the king. His only son joined the king's guard and basically, you know, Technically, cuts yourself cut yourself off from any kind of couldn't have an heir. Yeah, exactly. Have a family. And he yeah. he sat out the civil war, and that actually came up in the last yeah, episode where they Cassidy pointed Rock, that out, which yeah. is a fascinating little tidbit, right? Yeah, is that he sat out the civil war, but that was the smart move. But mm-hmm. he still feels wussy until he knew when, who was going to win. Yeah, and then his son killed well, the king. And in, in retrospect, <laughs> uh, and I was thinking Tyrion in some ways doesn't get as much to do this season by comparison, he which mopes, is he mopes a lot. Well, he does, yeah. and this is strange because they, you know it's a character who's such a breakout character for the for the both for the books and the. TV I was show. concerned actually about the season because in the books he doesn't have a lot to do. He's right. kind of just moping because he's gotten he did this great thing and nobody cares. People try to kill me. Feels under. I have, a scar. I, have to, I have to marry this person. A scar. Although I did, yeah. I did like especially in that we get one brief look into his marriage before it basically all goes south. In the in the last episode there, where he and Sansa are walking in the garden, sheep shifting. Yeah, well, and talking about that, and talking about the, you know, what are we going to do to these people? And there's a there's a moment there where you feel like, oh, maybe they can make maybe these yeah, crazy these kids, kids can, can make, make it work. work. Right, except yeah. for that part where he has to impregnate her. But other than that, everything <laughs> seems like it's going yeah, on. And his family killed all of her family. Well, you know, everyone yeah. like. Who hasn't killed a Stark at this point? I think think he's got a thing to do. He's got some deniability. Something you said earlier about, um, and this is the the strength of Martin's uh, story too, is it's 
we expect a story with protagonists and antagonists, and we don't get it. And instead, we get this weird, it's almost like Survivor, where we have many protagonists, (laughs) and presumably some of them will make it, but others won't. And the antagonists, I mean, and some people rise and fall, but it's like you you mentioned uh, Arya, and you mentioned Daenerys, and there's also um, Jon Snow. Who's a, who's one of my favorite characters, and he knows nothing, but he's an interesting character, and we learned that he has like, you know, he's got some. He's a little emo. He's got a little, yeah. And then there's and then there's Bran, who's got super animal power. Yeah, right? Bran, Bran is another one who should not be alive, like by all rights and just through happenstance and luck and Hodor. Hodor. <laughs> like when I was watching them with my wife, I was like, don't they all realize that, like, when the kids are wandering around. And they're like, you know, staying one step ahead of the enemy. Their entire survival depends on Hodor. Because if Hodor, Hodor dies, they can no longer move. Because no. none of the kids can carry Bran. And they, they can no. just leave him. You know, no, and the they're, they're like going over rough, rough terrain in the north. And Hodor's got Bran in like a wheelbarrow. I know. Like, <laughs> right. As soon as Hodor, if Hodor, if Hodor gets knocked out, they can't move Bran anymore. Yeah. So they could, oh, please, right. sir, can I have some help? I have a Stark well, child Bran, here. <laughs> Bran, Bran will just p- possess Hodor, I guess, <laughs> and make him push the car. Oh, what I'm saying is he gets killed. Like, they treat yeah. Hodor like hey, a pack zombie, animal. Zombie like, Hodor. Yeah, your, your survival <laughs> depends on Hodor. Hodor. He's the most important character this season. Yeah. Uh, Hodor. I was going to say, in terms of antagonists and protagonists, I'm curious how you, John, especially as, you, as the person who hasn't read the books, um, how did you feel about Jamie? Jamie Lannister. Oh, Jamie. <laughs> This is the great turn of Jamie Lannister. Yeah, like, yeah well, mm-hmm. I mean, Jamie was fitting, like, they had him being, you know, the Kingslayer guy, but oh, he's kind of sad because, you know, well, first of all, he's having sex with his sister, so that's, that's, a, that's good. <laughs> you got some, you got some, got a little self guilt there. And then it's like, everyone thinks I'm a Kingslayer just because I killed one king. <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> you kill one king, and all of a sudden you're a Kingslayer. Uh, and then so he gets his hand cut off and he's humbled and everything. But you always, they always portrayed him as like there was a, there was a heart of goodness in him. And a lot of the bad things he did were like self spite to like, well, you fine. If you think I'm a bad guy, well, I'm going to act like a bad guy. And everyone in this world has like the moral flexibility to just be killing children left and right, or you know, and paying no attention to beggars and stuff. But it, you know, given that baseline, he does have some sort of heart of goodness. And they had it come out when he saves or Brian Bran from the bear mm-hmm. and all that other stuff, right? Oh, the bear. And now, but I was sad when bear I saw him go back to his evil sister because it's like. You should you should have but yes, this, but she's disgusted by his stump, maybe. Well, but this they didn't uh, yeah. show you long enough. But like, but this turnabout should have made him like you know realize that everything else like he shouldn't be associating with these people. But he still holds out, and then he comes in the door and he like shrugs at his stump. He's like, meh. Well, I, I, yeah. But that, I feel like that's that's one of those questions for us to ponder between the seasons. Yeah. Is like, what what is this relationship between them now? Did, right. They and didn't think, rush but, into each other's but arms. He, but he's too right? self centered to ever be a story arc hero, uh, except circumstantially, because he cares about himself and his own image of himself and all that other stuff. He does not care who wins the war, what side is on what battle. He doesn't care about family so much. He's I, like, I, I always I, thought he was Prince Humperdinck. So, <laughs> well, and I, and I think it's very interesting because you know, if you have read the books, then. You start out as seeing him as the guy who throws Bran out a window, right? And you're like, there's no coming back no from that. No coming back from mm-hmm. that. And at a certain point in, in Storm of Swords, I believe, he becomes a viewpoint character. So you actually get into his head during all those moments with yeah. when he's white riding with, with Brienne. Brienne. And he is, you know, he does, you come around on him a little bit. You're right about but, him. You're but, right, you're right but, that there's, it's, it's hard. He's he tarnished, right? He's self-centered and, and arrogant and all of those things. But he, but there's a redemptive quality to him, It's amazing how far we come with Jamie in yeah. this season where... He's not the villain. He's questionable in lots of ways, but he also went back and he, saved he does Brienne. Heroic. He does and you feel things, bad yeah. about and, about how he's treated. And, and even he's when he's hand. with Brienne, like I feel at a, at certain points that he could have killed her and escaped. 
yeah. but sure. didn't. And like when they're fighting on the bridge and everything, he by that point was hungry and stuff like that. But like if his, if he was bent on killing her, like he gained respect for her, and that respect caused him not to be terrible. But like pushing Bran out the window at this point, everyone in this world, I feel like, is like. You just killed one kid. Like yeah. kids get kids get killed all kill the time. Him. Didn't even kill him. I know, but he tried to. It's like <laughs> any kid comes in the window and you're like, uh, he came to the window. He was annoying me. I killed. It's like life is so cheap in in this world of Westeros that everybody has that baseline well, of I've killed a few kids. The mountain no, who hasn't done the that? mountain ass Arya. If that was the first man she no, killed the, the when dog. she kills or the dog. Sorry, yeah. uh, is that the first man you've killed? And she, or is that the first one you've killed? And she's the first man. I'm not mentioning the boy I killed, right? Exactly. <laughs> or the I mean, people I ordered to be killed by assassins. But this was the first man but, that I actually stabbed until he was dead. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and and even and even men like people die all the time, and if they're not of high higher class, than whatever. You or whatever. So him pushing Bran out the window <laughs> just establishes that he's a character in this world of moral flexibility. He's He's not just like, yeah. you know, it takes a lot to to be looked down upon as like, oh, I can ne- like, you know, you have to be whatever, Ramsey, he's, he's, the he's torturing cha- guy. He's chaotic neutral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody is like, and it, and almost nobody, anybody lawful good would be dead in five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Ned, 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 Ned is the closest you get. I don't know yeah. if he was lawful good. Was he lawful good? I, I was going to say, unless the Red God keeps resurrecting them like Beric Dondarrion, <laughs> yeah, right. which is a, a, a fascinating, well, that that's one of my favorite, most memorable scenes from all of these books is that the battle uh, between the dog and and uh, Dondarrion with uh, the Red Priest and the Brotherhood without banners looking on, where you're like, all right, there's going to be a, they got to take this guy down. And it's like, oh no, he killed the other guy. Wait, the other guy came back to life? What the hell but is this, going but on? This here? proves you're okay. Well, so, well yeah, but it also yeah. they also then kind of walk away from it at that point and yes. don't really. Yes, but this is this is yeah, this trick that Martin does that I really like, which is instead of it being all oh, magic and fairies and everybody's casting spells, it's like you you get lulled into thinking that this world magic plays by exist, non-magical yeah. rules, and then there's something happens. You're like, oh my god! Yeah, but yeah. so is everyone else in the book. Everyone yeah. else in the book is like, well, because they what forgot. The hell is that? Right? Yeah. So there's dragons. Yes, if I say the dragons, they're White Walkers. Okay, but other Wise. And yeah, I know she took the leech and threw it in, and then and then Rob yeah. died. That could have been a, circum- been a coincidence. Mm-hmm. But then the guy comes back to life and says, "Yeah, I've actually come back to life many times in the last few months." <laughs> Although you yeah. get, oh you my get uh, Renly too is the other the yeah. other the shadow. Yes, the yeah. shadow. Yeah. Right. Well, they see that, but, that's but a, they have power because they're not happening all the time. That's a mysterious thing about like the the you know the red woman and that whole religion thing is. I think the show has done a good job of walking the line between, especially when you put any kind of religion in a show. Lots of people want to latch on to like the good religion with like the good god or the and it's like, are so are these the, the heroic guys? Because like they did come back to life, and if you come back to life, isn't that like a a, a good thing that your god does? But this <laughs> god doesn't seem like the night is dark and full of terrors. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like it's you're not quite sure. Whether to whether to be on board with like is their mission actually righteous or they're all crazy or is this like a devil god or is it just like you know that that they walked a good line of is, is I don't is I don't come down is it not a morality god I, I don't I don't come down and saying like oh that that is she's a demon woman you have to kill her because occasionally like the guy the, who is under her spell more or less is seems like a reasonably good Stannis guy Stannis, yeah. right and he's got you know the half hand who's like we're all rooting for him right and they're over there doing their thing and she's got the red woman and. I can't. I don't immediately label them as an enemy, and they're certainly not the heroes either. But they do have magic on their side, so it's like, you know, the other guys don't. The, the Lannisters aren't resurrecting people from the dead. They also, there's that question of what if the person you don't like ends up being right, and 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 Melisandre comes across as being so creepy and weird and awful, and yet, you know, we know that there are these um, White Walkers. 
up in the icy territory waiting for the winter to come so that they can come down and kill everybody. And she's in the south and has this fire magic. Right. And it's like, okay, A Song of Fire, fire and, and Ice, ice is yeah. the name yeah. of the series, right? So it's like, well, wait a second. So is this crazy lady actually the one who's got the power to destroy the the ice zombies? Yep. Well, uh, let you us know? not also forget Daenerys has fire, too. Daenerys yeah. does have fire. Well, and we know that Dragonstone kills zombies because Sam, yeah, Samwise, I mean Samwell, <laughs> uh, figured that one out. In a nice cross, one of the nice things that I like about this is occasionally those storylines intersect as right. they did in that last episode where they're looking down the well and saying, oh, somebody's coming. What's going to go on? And I'm like, oh, you know who that is? That's going to be Sam. <laughs> That's great. And then they do their little – Sam and Gilly and the baby. And they do their little cross and then they take the wheelbarrow yeah. out to the – I'd like to pause for a moment, though, to tell you all about our sponsor. Again, I know this is hard to believe the Incomparable has a sponsor. Can you believe it? Do we have a sponsor? We do. Can you tell me about the sponsor? Well, they wouldn't be a sponsor if I didn't tell you about it. Tell me nothing about the sponsor. (laughs) They're a a silent partner. I want to get fire the spoiler horn before you announce the name (laughs) name of the sponsor. sponsor. We're going to fire the sponsor horn, John. (laughs) Sponsor Sponsor is coming. Uh, The sponsor is a product that I actually used. I bought this in December. Uh... 23andMe.com. It is uh, a website uh, that uh, does a genetic profile of you. You, you. They send you a little tube. You, you spit in the tube. You send it off, and then magical computers do things and tell you facts about yourself. Um, there, there's health information. They talk. There, there's some uh, information about how your genes may impact your health. Uh, there are these trait and ancestry reports that tell you a lot of really amusing things like um well they don't tell me if i if i do like cilantro or not spoiler i don't <laughs> i hate it but they they they, it they, like they, soap. they tell you exactly but they 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 um may explain that it has a genetic basis there's a percentage of neanderthal dna i have a high percentage of neanderthal <laughs> dna so I'm feeling we, really we bad didn't that need we lost a, We didn't out. need a service to tell us that. I know, <laughs> I know. It's, it's the same it's if you're true. related to Robert Baratheon. It's, it, it does, <laughs> does it, not know, say that. If they had this in the Game of Thrones, that would have been so useful. Yeah. There's, there's For the a, Lannisters. Ca- there's, there's a caffeine metabolization uh, tendency, which is fascinating. I discover how that my wife and I, because uh, we both took the test, uh, metabolize uh, caffeine in different ways, which is really interesting. You can find uh, relatives that you didn't know you had. Um, not only is there some family tree stuff in there, but um, it will compare your genetic profile and say this person's probably a third cousin. We'll explain uh, that John, why John and I talk alike. Ah, you know, or and, why people hear us alike. I think. Well, we need to get them. We need to get all the audience. You have testing. genetic sound things in common. It's got a quarter million members of Twenty Three and Me. Um, so there's a big database so that it can do some really interesting matches. I also really like um, when I went through this experience that the uh, that the 23andMe uh, website is is very understanding and, and delicate. I know that a lot of people have fear of like they're going to tell me things that I'm, I'm concerned about that I might not want to know about my medical history, about my relative history. Nobody should know too much about their future, well, Jason. So what the nice thing about, about the, the 23andMe website is that every time there's something that might be perceived as sensitive, like do you really want to know about your percentage chance of this kind of gene for, a, for a, maybe, maybe a cancer gene or something like that, or to disclose if you have relatives you may not know you have, it asks, which I really like. So it's not as if you, Pandora's box is opened when you do 
this test. You can get as much information as you want and as you're comfortable with. You can choose to share it with the other people on the service or not. Um, I had a lot of fun doing this. I found out a lot about my my ancestry, uh, which in, in my case turned out to be you. You are from European stock. During the Ice Age, you hid by the south the south part of Europe by the Mediterranean. Not you, Wait, not you literally. No, specifically, well, yeah, my yeah. people hid by the Mediterranean. They were all like, where, where, "Winter is coming." Winter is coming. <laughs> winter has come. Right, and waited for the ice to melt, and then they went back north and they went to the Wait, British so Isles. You're descended and, from White Walkers. Yeah. So exactly, <laughs> essentially, that that's the that's the case. So that was fascinating. Uh, you know. And and so you can find out like maybe you've got ancestry from all sorts of inter- interesting parts of the world. Um, so anyway, I thought it was I thought it was really cool. Uh, big, uh, it's a fun service. Uh, we have a we have a uh, a special URL for incomparable listeners. It's ninety nine bucks. Remember when DNA sequencing was science fiction? Well, now not only is it fact, but it it's it's ninety nine bucks to do this. You get your data. It goes in the database, and then there are all these web features. There is a website. It's not a secret. It's twenty three andme dot com slash incomparable. Go there, order the DNA kit, uh, and find out about. Who you are, where you came from, and if you like cilantro or not, which you already know, but now you can find out why. So well, that when people make fun of you for not liking the cilantro that's in the guacamole, you can say, it's in my jeans! It tastes oh, like metal! It, it definitely sounds more informative than the last time I spat in a tube and mailed it off to somebody. <laughs> that's right. I'm sure that worked well for you. That's right. So thank you to 23andMe for keeping this podcast afloat. This world has another good thing going for it in that everybody who wants power shouldn't be allowed to have it, which is, seems, seems realistic. Because <laughs> yes. like Ned does not want power, and he was the only one worthy of it. And everybody else wanted, wants to be king, wants to gain territories, and every single one of them, to a person, you, is like bad in some way. You know, And the only people who actually seem to have any goodness don't want power, would try to reject it if it was offered to them. And, and that's an idealistic way to look at the, the world, right? Like, the only people who are right. deserving of power are the ones who don't want it, because they're the ones who will relinquish right. it. And, and, and worse, the, pe- the people who are, have it thrust upon them, uh, it destroys them. And and with Ned, it's quite literally destroys him. And with Tyrion, he gets, uh, at his first opportunity, they try to kill him, and they kick him out into the into the cellar. Uh, and he did a good job with his power when he had it thrust upon him, but they don't they kick him out. So those people, you know, we we wish for them to have the power even though they don't want it, but it doesn't end well for them. Yeah. So so I love that that, that there's no real good solution. Well, it's kind of it's kinda of making like Varys seem more sympathetic because Littlefinger wants power and you do not want him to have it. Like that right. like that climb speech is like we always oh, yeah. knew he was like I mean, but also you feel like he's never gonna get it because he has many schemes and whatever. Isn't but it, like in this season where they he's, say he's that if he could if he could if he could set the whole world on fire and rule over the ashes he would. That's right. the yeah, line I mean, about yeah. him. Yeah. And but Varys seems like he he's like I'm not actually going to pursue power. I want to have power and control within the world that we have it, but he is not angling to be king. He's uh, amazingly sympathetic. I, I in the books I never found him that sympathetic, but in especially the last episode of the season, he you you get the sense that he does have a lot of limits to what he will do, and he's playing a game that isn't for his personal yeah. The thing, he has, he has a code a, too. He has something that he's working toward, but it's not it's him also, being yeah. exalted. It's it, also a stupid code. Well, and, yeah. the, and, the, and the thing with Varys, <laughs> and the, they do a. It's hard to tell with Varys because in the books, I always did like him in the books, and I think the trick was. It's hard with him, even more than with Littlefinger, to figure out exactly. Like Littlefinger, you just assume he's always lying, no matter who he's talking to, right? He's always telling whatever will, will yes. best serve him in that moment. 
Varys is a little trickier, but it's hard to tell exactly where his allegiances lie. Does he even have an allegiance in terms of? I don't think he has an allegiance well, he, in terms he of does. a person. He, he has a goal state of the world and works towards making it that state, and that state is fairly nonsensical. But that's what he's working towards, and well, so right. But he's. It's hard to tell. Like in that last episode, he comes across seeming very noble and sympathetic yes. when he offers to buy Shay like a trip home. But, but at the but same saying, time, I believed him when he said you're a complication. That's why yes. you have to go away. Like he doesn't sure. care about her safety. No, no. but he, but he's like you. It would be easier for me to plot if you were not here. Yeah, right. But he also yeah. he also think in some ways you have to also remember that that means she distracts Tyrion, which he you know plays mm-hmm. off as you might get him killed. But at the same time. Having Tyrion not around would also be one less complication for him because yeah. that's someone who's actually closer to I, his level. I, I think he would rather use Tyrion to get things done yeah. than yeah. than to see him killed off. I mean, the thing, like the thing I would think he was getting at is like if if Shay is killed, that's going to make Tyrion flip out, and a flipped out Tyrion is much more difficult to manipulate and work with. You know. Well, and also a flipped out Shay is enough to make the whole situation go catastrophic very quickly because Shay knows quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, and has access to two of the of the major. I mean, but players. but but if he but if he was Littlefinger, he would have just had Shay killed. So speaking of Littlefinger, <laughs> Littlefinger, there that is another way to read that is that Littlefinger's kind of putting the moves on Sansa, but then yeah. Sansa gets coupled with Tyrion. So by keeping Shay out of the picture, she's keeping Sansa attached to Tyrion, which. Maybe foils what Littlefinger was trying to do. Plus, Littlefinger's obsessed with the yeah, there's with a, the Tully women. Yeah. They, there's, right. a, so, there's a reason that they call him the Spider. Yes, he's Varys working his web. Got his yeah. games that he's playing. But fascinating character. So, John, I'd be interested to hear what you think Littlefinger is up to. The, the way they've been playing him in, in the series is th- that he wants personal power, and that he believes it is possible to, through a series of lo- a long game of, of doing moves, that he can somehow rise to power by causing everyone else to fall down. Like th- th- personal power is his goal, and it does, they yeah. haven't given enough backstory review to understand why, other than he's just like a megalomaniac. But, but like in this world, it's such a class system; it's so hard to come from anything except for already having a name to getting one. And he is like. He's like the American dream trying to come to pass. And the only way the American dream comes to pass is by a terrible, terrible person doing terrible things. And I just get the feeling it's not going to work out for him because, like, he's going to learn in the end you can't ever overcome the fact that you aren't nobleborn. And all these schemes and everything will just make you a terrible person and eventually you will fail to gain power. So that's my impression of him. And he's not particularly sympathetic. Like when they had him being in love with what's his name, the, the Ned's wife, Caitlin, Caitlin, yeah. I think they wanted us to believe that that was a real thing or something. But he's so slimy that you're like, now I don't even believe. I that don't know. I think that's his childhood obsession. Right. right? It's, he it's, never it's, got her. It's now lust it's, and obsession. Now right? he's just love. now he's playing a game because he's mad that he didn't get her. Yeah. But but even when I he said he did, real. it was like more of a selfish thing. Like it wasn't like I truly well, loved. Like yeah, like, it was want, like a child, childhood obsession. Her. Like that's the thing I wanted when I was I didn't young. Didn't get her. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. now I want to get it, but I don't really care about Stupid her. Stupid Ned Stark. Yeah, he just needs it. Yeah. Ruining everything. Don't yeah. worry, he won't ruin anything anymore. No, mm-hmm. neither will Rob or Catelyn or who else or mm-hmm. anybody else who all those people who died. Yeah, I was I was the, I was struck so many times cities while watching. Uh, you know, thinking of it from a perspective of people who hadn't read the books. So, you know, there's that in, in season one, it was always for me the line where Ned Stark says, I'll tell you about your mother next time I see you. Oh, man. Um, and so that for me, there was this this season, it was the scene where the, the hound has Arianne is riding up to River Run or, or, or the, 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 two, right. the twins. We'll see, we'll see them in a day. Don't yeah. worry. And it's like, oh, but you get like, I remember She's reading right the books there. and getting right. excited about like, oh, they're finally going to get gonna reunited. Gonna see and it's going to mother and brother and everything's going to be okay. Right. <laughs> and instead, it's good she didn't get there in time or she would have died. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was another another lucky break. 
Nick Ferraria. Yeah. Our hero. Yeah. Our hero, our seven-year-old psychopath. Well, I mean... <laughs> That last well, scene she's, she's in this episode more is like pretty 15 in this one, terrifying, yeah. where you just you have her stab the guy to death, and then you just look at her holding the Ballard Margulis, yeah, right. the, the coin. coin right. That guy was with a bad blood dripping yeah. down her hands. <laughs> well, I, that, when I grow I, up, I'm going to be an assassin too. The scene, I mean, right before that, where she goes up to the guy and says, "Like, yeah. can I share?" Like the look on her face. Oh my god! Oh, I get you're sitting there, especially because you know who she is. You know, in terms of like. What kind of what she's been yeah. through and what she wants to do and what she's been exposed to, and you're like, oh, that guy is about to but, get but, murdered. But she's filled <laughs> with righteous anger yes. because she killed those people were bad. Yes. Like they were making, you know, I mean, as bad she as anyone was else. Of, like they were, you know, they had killed her family and they're joking about it now. And she's all of her anger is righteous anger. She doesn't have like she doesn't. That's why we're still at this point rooting for her. Is crazy. She maybe you said, oh, she's going to become an assassin. That's that's basically a noble profession in this world. Like, <laughs> again, you know, with a code and that well, code, like, you like know, Jake Wynn, right? He was he was kind of noble with yeah. his. I'll kill some people for you, and then I'll right. disappear. Strange way. Like you know, th- th- that is a code that makes at least financial sense. Of the regular, you know, you you pay me or exchange some things, and I will give you my service. And my service is that I kill people. You know, it's not sure. me, as they say in Gross Point Blank. You know, <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a dental plan with that. <laughs> The um, ten years. The the um, the other funny thing is she's with this guy who she f- says is a monster and a killer, um, but we're reminded of of what's happening with her when he gets her after she they kill all those people and all he has to say to her is warn me the next time you want to yeah, do right that. right well, not, I mean, the, we, the we hound is give me a heads up the hound is always a very interesting character in the book because he's not a nice guy. And oh, he's but not he, he's he's lived the life of someone who kills people and that's his job and you know protects people and kills people but he doesn't have any allegiance to one particular thing he does his job when he has to do it but they give him that vulnerability of being scared of fire yeah, so you're yeah. like oh poor hound as he slaughters more people yeah. <laughs> but, but when he's they not, leave but he's he not all the way bad either though. right i mean he's, yeah, he's he not. has sympathy like cuz he could have just you know if he was if he was just a vengeful evil person he could have just killed area like, like why, or, le- or left her or behind, left her behind. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. or why even entertain? Like when she's got the rock over his head, doing the thing no, where like making you do too. it and stuff. That that is he's doing that because you can. T- that's his version of affection for her. Uh, also, Temp- telling teasing yeah. her and telling her, "I'll give you one shot also, on my head." <laughs> also, he thinks he thinks that she's got value, and he's that yeah, is part right. of it that's too. Part of is it. that is that I can keep her alive, and maybe I can find some way to make this right. But you but you could have just hogtied her and like not dealt with her yeah. crap. But he was willing to put up with her silliness because he knew it basically wasn't a threat, and he has he's sympathy and, for yes, her. He and I have to say, you have to, they did a really nice job with him. Um, in the scene where he fights Beric Dondarrion, before you know, Arya explains where his fear of fire comes from. His job acting in that scene, where it's like, "All right, I'm gonna take this guy," and he lights the sword on fire, and you see him go like oh, eyes oh wide, like, mm-hmm. like, "Holy crap!" Uh-huh. You know that he does a nice job with that. I thought yeah. he, and he and he's afraid, but it, and it's not. He's not cool. He doesn't go wide. It have to be snakes, right? No. He goes right. Ah. well. That's because you wouldn't say if you were yeah. actually afraid of snakes, you wouldn't say why it have to be snakes. Oh, you would not. They would, you would not be Jones put anywhere would. in there. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Well, the, at the end there, when the, the slaughter is starting to happen at, at the twins, he there, there's that moment of like, oh, there's people with torches of fire. We got to go. Go. Yeah. There's fire. And he's savvy. Like a lot of people Run. are just savvy. He picks up the, the banner so he can go out and not be, you mm-hmm. know, the, the banner of the opposing side. So yeah. he can, you know. No, he's smart. Anything else we should talk about about Game of Thrones before we move on? I really love the scenes that they inserted with Davos and Gendry. So we don't, in the books, 
there's a different character in the books. This yeah. is not giving too that much weight. There's another melted. Robert's bastard, but they decided, obviously, we already have Com- a bastard. Combine them. We yeah. have yeah. easier to put who's, them together. Who's a likable character and Gendry, who doesn't have a lot to do in the and, books. In the books, so he is very much more of a, like, everyone's after him because he's the bastard, but we don't get much out of him. Right. Um, he's and just he, making, He ends know, up staying, in the stuff, books, he ends up staying with the Brotherhood Banners. In this one, he rides off. He gets and, sold by the Brotherhood without right, Banners. Well, not in the books, he doesn't get sold. He just goes off to fight with them. Right, but in the show, it's the other way around. They sell him to Melisander. So I really enjoyed him and, and Davos, I felt like there was a good rapport there. I love Davos. He's one of my favorite characters. Great character. The good good, ac- good yes. actor. Yes. And great he actor. He learns to read. He does. Um, well, Shireen, you know what? I found their use of Shireen in this season. So Shireen, the, the daughter. The, the daughter, yes. Face. He's got the grayscale, I think, yeah. is what that is called in the so books. So she technically, disease. in the books, she's introduced a full, she would have technically been introduced last season because she it appears very briefly in the second right. book. But they, but they like they conserve actors off. until yeah. they need yeah. them. Yeah, they held her off and they also combined her with a jester character who I don't know if you'll meet in the in the TV show, um, but who also appears in book in book two. And Shireen, I don't know if you caught, was singing one of Patchface's oh. songs. Um, so again, which is a nice yeah. a nice construction to make it simpler and yet clearer for the for the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, I think that's that is overall she, sort of what to take away from this season is that they've done is that Davos learns to read and reading is fundamental. Read. Well, I, I was rooting for take Gendry. a look, for, Jason. It's in a book. For, for, <laughs> I was like rooting for Gendry to like they send him off on the boat and uh, you know okay well don't fall out of the boat you can't swim and I was rooting for him <laughs> and then he goes off on the boat and he falls off the boat and drowns. I, I was actually <laughs> and waiting. That's the, end, that's the end of Gendry. I was I was waiting for the Onion Knight to be like what you can't swim all right I guess I have to come with you in this boat. Yeah. Two men in the boat. <laughs> well, no, but like but that's kind of the nonchalant thing that you do yeah. on a TV show where like oh I know he's not going to drown but I would I would like him to go out on the boat and say whatever ah. happened to Gendry I guess he drowned I guess and he drowned and then he. And he did, and that would be he wouldn't come the up end. in any future season. It's just it was he drowned. Well, that, that is a realistic blood outcome. Of, the drowned god, that may not and be we're that in from the they walk. Trouble. There's a scene in a later season where people are walking along the beach. And he and there's a skeleton up. there right. with his yeah. clothes on it. I mean, be seriously though. You don't if you've never been in a boat and can't swim, and you say, "Oh, just row for a day, you'll be fine." He would not. Well, live. but desperate, desperate measures, right? Oh, yeah. I think he. I think he could row for yeah. a day. Give him a fifty-fifty he's, chance. He's strong. How does he even know how to row? He didn't know which way to sit in the boat. You can figure that out. You can figure it out. My kids yeah. figured that out when we put them in a kayak. They got it eventually. I know. I told them row for a day. Yeah. Keep the coast yeah. Yeah. You'll be a fine. storm at sea, they'll be fine. Now, overall, yeah. I think these these two seasons, like I said earlier, they suffer from when are we going to get for the fireworks factory disease? Like, because seriously, yeah. those. What is the, that disease? I, you know, the, the itchy Serious. and scratchy, itchy and scratchy almost, things get from The Simpsons, where the itchy and scratchy are going and they see a sign that says like five miles to the fireworks factory and they drive some more and it says like three miles to the fact- fireworks factory and then like Poochie comes on the screen, I think. Ah, yes. and, the, and the kids watching are like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Because it yeah. was teased. Yes. And it was it teased. Never came. And they never get. And the fireworks factory sounds like a fun place for itchy and scratchy to be. And then Poochie shows up and they never get there. Right. I don't mm. even know if that was a Poochie episode. But anyway, those freaking white walkers, they're yeah. just they're just they're walking. Just they're the slowest. They're, right. they're, they're not All right already. Well, the, John, yeah. they're not white joggers okay <laughs> so the idea it's a long way from the north it, it seems like everyone else has walked to and from the wall think, like nine times i think the idea <laughs> the idea is that they're gathering their strength also because it's not winter yet and it's the winter is coming it's very very close now, now do they melt like frosty hasn't come yet they so. ride they ride snowboards is the thing so they mm. can't do that until winter like is my impression was like they were practically at the wall at the end of last season and no, this season no, no, they're way up where the snow is yeah they're, they're up having... in the mountains and they're gathering their forces and I, 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 did I, you, I, uh, by the way a major security flaw on the wall is 
is that Sam is like, oh yeah, there's this tunnel that just you can you walk throughout. around it. I did this in the first. Just walk around it. You can't walk around. It's like knee deep. I know it's like knee deep water. When you get to the ocean, just wade out there. No, they'll walk they'll no, fall. Walk. You don't need to do it. You can just go through this little tunnel and come up in a in a. Yeah. Well, this well, well. says that he only learned it from a you know thousand year old book, so sure. it's unlikely that the White Walkers. But you just walk along the wall. The next season, the next season, the White Walkers would learn to read in a touching scene, and then they will read that book from a thousand years ago and say, "Wait, there's been a tunnel here the whole time. Let's go." Well, Stannis is going to the wall in the next season, so maybe Shireen will come and befriend a White Walker. Lavar Burton approves of this. Yeah. I think that's reading, good. Reading is fundamental, fundamental to winning the war or fire and ice. That's yes. right. That reading is coming. <laughs> reading is coming. Winter is coming. Books well, are coming. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I, I don't want you to spoil it for me, but I really no. hope there's some sort of conflict. The White Walkers win in the end. <laughs> and everybody dies. No, that, no, they yeah. did you see the, they uh, use tow cables. It's did fine. you see well, the, uh, <laughs> there was a little video of John, George R. R. Martin on Conan O'Brien where they did like outtakes for like spoilers? And he's talking. The only one I really loved was Winter Comes. It's not so bad. It's kind of cozy. <laughs> <laughs> Make a fire. Make fire. Hang out. Marshmallows. Let's okay. get some skiing. Super yeah. classy. It's nice. Ski. Ski in the White Mountains to the north. <laughs> avoid the trolls. Yeah. Avoid, avoid the white skiers. They'll do the intro sequence. Instead of showing the elevator going up the wall, it'd be like a ski lift. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. My kids are obsessed with zip lines, so they would see that and they'd be like, ooh, can we put a zip line off that thing? Yeah. yeah. That's, no. a good way. That's a good way to get killed. No. Um, overall, thumbs up. Things going well. I, I like it. I continue to like the this, show. This that is one of the only season. shows I watch on the night that it airs. If I can, yeah, no, I have to because otherwise he'll be spoiled well, on Twitter. That's true. Yeah. That and Madman, I try to. But I, I'm motivated. I, this I, one's I, not as bad for me because having read the books, there's not as much to get spoiled. Yeah. But I'm in but a real still. lull of finding good shows, which I want to talk about too. And this one is still, uh, you know, there, a lot of shows I watch regularly have kind of fallen off the air. And and but Game of Thrones is a is a go. To, I mean, I'd say Doctor Who and Game of Thrones are the only ones that I make sure kind of like those are my appointment shows right now. Game of Thrones is way above Bad Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, yes. No, I, I think this season, I, I think this season Game of Thrones really, like I said earlier, came into it because not only is it is it good, uh, but they've they've – They've taken control of their story, made changes to the books, created these individual episodes where when you look back, it's like, wow, this there was a theme for tonight's show while they advanced the plot. <laughs> tonight's show is brought to you by, uh, by reading. Fa- parenthood, right? Mm-hmm. I, the it's, show? It's, no, no. <laughs> uh, and I like that because I, I feel like they're, they're not just wrestling with how to get through all of this plot anymore. And they're actually like they've got control, the producers have, of what they're trying to do episode by episode to – so for me, it went to a whole other level where I thought, I think this is one of the best shows on TV now. Not knowing what the book is like, all the seasons look pretty even to me because I don't know like where they are struggling with. I mean, I felt like they're struggling the same amount with, I, I see that like, I think I said this the first season, it looks like highlights of a longer work <laughs> and it continues to look like right. highlights of a longer work, but all like, I can't pick a favorite season. I think if I had to pick one, maybe I would pick season one just because it's so tight, you know, like begin, sure. beginning, mm. middle, end, like, yeah. but all of it together, all the seasons have that kind of pacing where they're like, "What's well, like the set, wire setting things up?" Yeah, and then people are moving in their individual plot then lines. Episode nine, and something then, terrible and happens, then, and then culmination, <laughs> and then denouement. And yeah. that's you know, and I think that's a great structure. And when I, like, when I look back at them, <laughs> like, I, you, you think the classical plot structure yes, is a good yeah, idea? No. Thumbs up. <laughs> no, well, you know, a structure for a season because it starts yeah. slowly from a traditional perspective. Yes. There's a lot of things like we got to go bang bang, and we got to have a big set piece in the first one, and get out, and then we got to have you know down, right. and then a big set piece, and this this has the patience to right. play to play it out over all the episodes. And all the seasons really do look pretty even to me. Every one of them has something to recommend it. There's always one plot line that's kind of silly yeah. that goes on too long, like the torture one in this yeah. one. 
uh, and the stupid the tension the, the ones bothering me is the tension of Daenerys used to be bothering me, but now she's making progress, and the the walkers are are now bothering me because they're not making progress. Yeah, mm. yeah. I guess what puts puts it over from the top for me is just that I felt like individual episodes had meaning unto themselves as a as opposed to just being. Part you don't of it. you don't think the early that seasons had me. that too? Or maybe I'm reading into I don't know. them, but I, I I kind of pick I pick a theme. I felt in the other I felt a episodes. little more like I was just watching the next hour of the long installment, and this year I felt a little more like they they had they had coalesced a little. You're but more I, I should go back. The I, characters are more developed. Yeah, I should go back and watch those because maybe they've been doing it all. I mean, along. It, it could, maybe they haven't been, and I'm just reading into it. But like, there's always there's always enough. Like they do enough scenes where it's just people talking to each other. That like, especially yeah. in the earlier episodes where you can latch on to something as the theme. In, in earlier seasons, it's people having sex with each other while talking. <laughs> you gotta but do whatever. You, you gotta do it. I mean, it, it's kind of like you know the HBO thing was used to be they would front load the nudity in the first three episodes of the series just to make sure people watch yeah. it, and now they would just this is front loading the nudity in the first two seasons of yeah. the thing, not just the first two episodes. Of now you're season. hooked. Yeah, and on. and now finally the women can keep their clothes on when yeah they're in scenes. They make it easy to edit for foreign markets now. You know, Jason, <laughs> I think actually what might capture us more about the later seasons is that they have more that aren't from the books. They have more adaptations. They have more interesting complications. As book readers, yeah, well, exactly. It's nice to As, have the variation. I well, yeah, that. I mean, the first couple seasons are very direct and very much like, yes, I am watching what I read a couple years ago or ten years ago, and I can pretty much follow it word for word. It's like watching Cliff Notes in some ways. And I felt like the show really started to come into its own as soon as it stepped out of the shadow of the book and said, mm. "We're going to start experimenting." Because now things. you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you or, know, more or less. What's or or happen, we know enough exactly. about the outline they were going from that we can be impressed by their their art yeah, yeah. in changing it. Whereas you just we're, are we're seeing the art without so. without taking yeah. it apart entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we run completely over time, I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, I alluded to earlier. I'm feeling kind of disappointed by this TV season, but I wanted to see if there were any highlights, things that you guys wanted to mention from the TV season as a whole. Uh, rather than I, I just I can't get the energy to do a whole season wrap up because I was just down and that's a terrible episode to say hey everybody everything sucks goodbye <laughs> so any John you have anything that you wanted to highlight the things you like this I'm, TV season I have I the fact that I can't think back and remember anything that I realized on time. TV is probably probably means that I you know <laughs> fringe ended yeah, I barely remember what happened. I was really just disappointed. I've always been kind of hot and cold on that show, and then yeah. as it as it, it died with a whimper, and I I could, I could barely bring myself to watch the last few episodes. And I Me too. Could swear that I already complained about this exact same. I just stopped caring about them because too many weird things happened. Well, what you complained about when we talked about Fringe the last time, it just kept happening. Which is, I, I always thought that that episode that show was more a strength of the emotions of the characters, and that it was. I thought it was beautiful that a lot of it was about parents and children, and they actually yeah. in the last season they brought that back. Where now, well, now uh, Peter and Olivia were the parents, and they had a child, and they were trying to play that again, but they changed the characters and the timelines and, and which so one many is times. it? And they didn't they didn't really raise the kid. They saw her when she was little, and then skipped, and then she's twenty, yeah. but they still love her so much. That and the plot like, machinations, yeah, kind of yeah. took took me out of I mean, the, the the character and, and emotional connections that I had, and yeah. so and then we I didn't, ca- didn't we care. didn't care what happened to the world or what happened to New York or what happened no. with the Observer. And about two episodes from the end, I called the ending. I turned to my wife and I said, well, they're going to reboot it to that scene we've seen eight times where they're out in the park. And she said, how does that make – very smart. My wife is a very smart person. She said, wait a second. But if they they do it so that they negate everything, that would mean – so that the observers didn't exist. That means the observers would never have have saved Peter. Peter, And Peter would have died in the lake. Yeah, they don't really go in. And therefore, all the world would have been different anyway. And they're like, yeah, that would be kind of a bummer. So we're not going to do that. We're just going to have it go back to that scene in the park. 
Yeah, and <sighs> everyone and everyone is smiley and happy and oversaturated and slightly blurry. And uh, I guess, I guess <laughs> Mad Men yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is still going on. I like Mad Men. Uh, but still, only have seen the first season of Mad Men. Yeah, I liked it. I've really enjoyed this season so far. This season, I think, is one of my favorites. It's not my favorite huh. Mad Men it's season. It's not quite but... as angsty in some ways, which I think is what I like about it. Um, that's that's what killed me in the first season. I was like. Well, I get it. I it's appreciate a, it. You, you should keep like, watching it because it's it, not it, good it, for it that. Has, it's really well crafted as a show, <laughs> but it's very difficult. Crisis of Dawn it's, Draper. It's very <laughs> difficult because the characters don't. The sympathetic elements of them take a long time to develop. Mm. Just They're like interesting, people. but they are hard to. Yeah. yeah. Well, but was, the best thing about the show is I. It has the guts. You, if you only see one season, you don't see this. But it has the guts to not say you like season one. More of the same for three uh, more seasons. It does not do that. So if oh, you good. keep watching, you are rewarded with the fact that they're just not. Oh, is it just? Gonna, I'm encouraged is, by that. Is, is this what it's going to be? It's not. And it, and it's very. It's it's some of the rare, well, really well done period stuff. You know, 20th sure, century sure. period stuff in terms. And it of, doesn't dwell on it. Like, it doesn't dwell no. on it, but it, it's just there. It, it has an impact. Hey, remember too. the 20th century? <laughs> it has an it has an impact. So when you when actual events you know would have right. happened, yeah. it has an impact. So yeah, I will, this season was this season was good. This I season said, was good. Yeah, I'll I'll throw it. Um, the, I was looking Is back through my over? list. It's not over. No, right? it's couple, almost yeah, so it's over. Like two more. I, I was looking back through my list and agreeing that most of the stuff that I saw this year was not great or is like. You know, procedural stuff that I watch that's sort of just guilty pleasure yeah. stuff. Um, the one show I will throw in there that I, I really do like is Justified. Supernatural. Sorry. <laughs> it's Justified. Justified. This year was Have you seen Justified? Justified? My wife watches Justified. It's very Again, good. Again, she's proving she's intelligent and has good taste. She it's, watches that show, but I don't watch it. It's a fantastic show. That's and all, I, Oliphant. She again. loves it. Yeah, yeah. Timothy Oliphant. Um, it's, it's really just a well-done crime show that's not a procedural that's really about this one guy who basically yeah. comes back to his hometown in rural Kentucky. Yeah, I saw the first three or four episodes and I thought it was great. I just and, don't have and time a fantastic to watch it. fantastic jobs by uh, Walton Goggins who if you've ever watched The Shield or some of those other shows just a great character actor who is really does a fantastic job of playing sort of a a gray area character on the show. Um but yeah, that that is one of my favorite. That's one of the other few shows that I look forward, really look forward hmm. to. Um, so I highly recommend it. It's on, I think it's on Prime and some video, all for free. Oh, I should list Orphan Black as the show that I am not so, that I'm not watching at okay. all, but so, I want to. So watch here, it. yeah, that's on my list. Too. So since my list you mentioned well. it, that was what I was reserving because I like to go at the end. Orphan Black, ten episodes, BBC America, best new show I saw this year by far. Already one of my favorite shows. It's got some issues, but the fact is, first off, it has got. The best, maybe the best acting performance I've seen on TV in I, maybe ever. Haley Mills and Haley Ta- Mills. Tatiana Maslany, I think is how you pronounce her name. She plays seven different characters, I think, over the course of the season because she's a clone, and they are just, they are well okay. It's a it's a clone <laughs> drama, John. The there are clones. I, I will say there are clones. I, she plays I think the clones. It's a, I she think plays it's a clone now. She plays the clones playing, pretending to be other clones, and they all have different accents. So she has to be like she's British, but she's faking being American, and then she has to play the real American. And, so it's, it's a good version of Dollhouse, it, basically. It is. It is. But well, there's one character in, instead of all those different characters. It's great. And, and and what's great about it, too, is it's not – first off, it tricks you into thinking that it may be settling down into an episodic groove, but it never does because one of the characters is a cop and you think, oh, are they going to solve crimes? <laughs> They're not going to solve crimes. It's not about that. So, th- so it, it, it keeps on – the story keeps progressing and doesn't play stall ball in the middle, which I really appreciated. And also it's funny – 
Um, it's got some social satire elements because, like, one of the one of the clones is in the suburbs, and it makes lots of commentary on sort of suburban parent life, contrasting it with the city clone. It's a city clone <laughs> and the country clone. It's a te- classic story. Great, high. I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, it's the only new show I watched this year that I got past episode two, and I we devoured all ten of them. And I, I was surprised that I was liking it so much, but I, I just got, I have to rave about it. Really great. Gets better as it goes. By the time you get to the end, you're like, I cannot believe what crazy stuff is happening. <laughs> and and I also remember back when they used to do TV shows where you'd have a, a sci-fi show where there was like the duplicate, like data and lore or whatever, right. and you could see the line where they had the uh, yeah, yeah the where split. they had the split screen. Yeah. You forget watching the show that it's one actress because there are the, the way they, however they've done the technology, motion control cameras. They have these motion control cameras. They did. There's a shot where there are three clones in one scene, and it and the camera pulls back, pans up, does a rack focus from one character to the other, all moving. It looks like it's. It, it doesn't even look like a steady cam. It looks like it's shaking a little bit, and it is perfect. And you would never even think that there's only one actress playing the part. So Orphan Black, major thumbs up. Great, really, really great show. I wanted to throw out. I, there are two returning shows that uh, one which just started airing and one which airs in the fall, which I or shows that I quite like, which are The Killing, which came back despite having been canceled. Well, people were really mad. At um, the killing, well, but... I really, I really liked it. I, I think that was. I understand the frustrations for that. I still think that is one of they my made favorite promises shows. They, sh- they they shouldn't have made. I think I, it, it's, they said we'll solve it at the end of the first season, and right. they didn't solve and, it. Right? And, so. and but that said, <laughs> that said, it is a great show. It is atmospheric. It is well acted. It's got fantastic cinematography. It's some of my favorite cin- cinematography on TV. The, the the setting in Seattle is just hmm. it's really gorgeous. Um, and is I there a, is there a killing? There's no killing. There's <laughs> it's actually just it's a comedy. No wonder people were mad. Um, <laughs> I, I really like that. Also, Luther, starring Idris Luther Elba, comes back, back for a third right. season this fall, which I uh-huh. also really liked because um, he's just he is one of those guys you watch and he's just magnetic in his performances. Yeah, he's a great uh, actor. And I will show the, the the other one show, which I, I forgot because it wasn't on my list. Um, I watched The Americans. Yeah, I was going to mention that when you said Americans. I watched that as well. Uh, Do you not like it? I mean, it's not. It it's doesn't not, doesn't bother me. It doesn't achieve like the high highs. It just kind of hangs no. out in the middle, and sometimes silly things happen. Mm. But I, I like the pilot, I, but I didn't watch the second yeah. episode. I, I'm a sucker for spy stuff, especially Cold Eight, War and stuff. Eighties, eighties. You know, I, I feel like they don't lean on the they don't lean on the eighties stuff enough. I feel like, which yeah. I thought they would be go over the top. And I was like, you know what? This weird looks like period. it could be modern times. Oh, there's an old phone. Wait, you know what? This. I think they need to make our hair. There are some excellent dynamics in there, especially Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese both have, I think, some very interesting dynamics going on there, and there's a great supporting cast with um uh what's his name the i can't remember he was the best friend in the truman show i yeah. liked that his name all of a sudden right. and um the, uh, the the older woman who's Margo their, hand, their handler who's also plays a was on justified in an earlier season mm. plays an excellent villain mm. there um so yeah that's is a, she a villain not in this one the handler i said i said in oh and justified, justified she yeah. plays yeah. a villain or um in this one she plays again more of a kind of questionable yeah, character we, that's the whole thing with this one the problem with this one is that it just barely holds on to its premise by a thread because at a certain uh, point you're like you should lose track of wait what are these people doing what well, is their actual motivation like, what are we fighting a, for a like it, alias in the sense that you're like well it's the double cross well it's not so much that it is i think it's hard to sympathize with characters whose views don't line up so clearly with our own in terms of like they're kgb agents right in deep cover russian 
At a certain they're, point, they're the worst KGB agents ever. They're the best in terms of competence, but they're the worst in terms of like dedication to country and motivation. And, like right. in this first well, episode, they're like they have it? to make you sympathize. So they're like, I think we should defect. That was in episode one, right? Yeah. You can't pull yeah. out the defect in episode, but that's the and best the, to get the you husband, on their side. And the husband, it's also like, but he loves her, but she doesn't love him because they were arranged. Yeah. But he loves her now. They, they get a lot of mileage. I'm out of sure. That. They do. <laughs> I thought it was good. I thought yeah. it was good. People like it. I watched all that. I'd watch you know? more of I that. Keep, I keep watching it, but I'm it, I'm I, frustrated I, by its mediocrity. I would sometimes. hope their second season is a little tighter. I uh, agree. But. Ren, do you have any any recommendations? Or well, you... I watched a lot of actually old shows this season. <laughs> New things. I, well, yeah, I'd never watched The Wire, so I was remedying uh, that this year. Well, geez, um, if The Wire is eligible, everybody should watch <laughs> yeah, The Wire. Uh, but the one new show that I did watch and that I love and I'm praying is not getting canceled because it's in weird limbo state right now is uh, Bunheads, which is on ABC Family and has a horrible name, but I... is a wonderful show. It's by Amy Sherman Palladino, who did Gilmore, uh, Girls, Gilmore Girls, and it has Sutton Foster in it, who is a Tony Award winning actress and brilliant and in short is basically a... Vegas dancer who once wanted to be on Broadway and it did not work out uh, suddenly gets engaged and married to this guy and moves to small town uh, USA in Northern California. Then guy mysteriously, spoilers, gets goes out of the picture and she's stuck in small town nowhere with no job but has inherited a dance studio. And it's just about her misadventures with huh. the dance studio, with the kids. See, this makes a lot more sense since you said it's Amy Sherman Palladino. Yeah. Now I understand. It's yeah. very good. My, my wife watches the show. Is that ABC Family? That's ABC yeah. Family. I feel like there's this whole other realm of television that people are watching. I'm not going to say just women, but um, there's a section of the population that is watching these shows on ABC Family, devouring them and loving them and not talking about them like public like we're all so proud like we love game of thrones let's all talk yeah. about game of thrones and they're quietly watching bunheads, bunheads yeah and and loving it just as much us. but not being but not like raving about it i think there's some sort of secret shame of lighting shows that are wholesome you know like that that it, i don't watch the show either but i get the impression a lot of these shows my wife watches the abc family they're like old-fashioned kind of mm. mostly like wholesome no one is going to be gruesomely murdered or raped in the show it's just it's it's not a soap opera either it's yeah, gilmore girls it's a, fa- it's is a, a family show. Yeah. Right. i mean i i liked for years uh, everwood which was a wb show which i thought was a really well done family drama that didn't get into the overly sappy and actually portrayed a fairly realistic right. it wasn't like super soapy there was enough interpersonal drama that it was interesting to watch, or something right. like Parenthood, which is I also really like, which is again Parenthood season. This yeah. like the season, 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 season doesn't have to end with a triple murder, right? Like, things yeah. don't spin out of control to extreme. But Game of Thrones, you can still get you can still get a lot of mileage out of that because family drama is something that we all relate we all to. Do. Yeah. yeah, I very rarely have people killed in a wedding, so <laughs> very, well, that's I'm, good. I relate rarely. more to this. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you say, Walder Snow. Mm. <laughs> the uh, come to my house. It's actually two houses with a wait river. Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> are we going to your? House? Yes, you are. But it doesn't have a river. I'm in wearing chainmail. There's under no my wedding, shirt right? <laughs> wait till I introduce the musicians. You wonder. You wonder why I never drink when we're out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to stay on your. Uh, I'll I'll mention a show that later. I'm watching right now on um, Netflix that is actually pretty good. I, I can't remember the last time there was a show on the Sci-Fi Channel that I thought was decent, but Continuum, which is a Canadian. Yeah, Rachel uh, Nichols. Time travel show starring Rachel Nichols. Actually not bad so far. I'm only like three episodes in. Actually not bad. About a cop from the future who's chasing terrorists in the future. The terrorists build a time travel bomb thing that misfires and sends them all the way back to the year 2012. 
dun dun dun, <laughs> and uh, and she is accidentally kind of she, drawn with cheap, them. Cheaper to shoot that way, exactly. and, now, and now she has to now she has to uh, um, uh, track them down and try to stop them from destroying the future. But it's nice because it's morally ambiguous. It's sort of a question about whether maybe the terrorists are in the right, and that the future is actually more dystopian. And yet she's this authority figure from the dystopian government. So, so it's, I so it's time cop. I like that. Yes, I like that. Um, and and then also she's very relatable because she has a husband and a little boy and has been time displaced from them. And is and and in some shows I think they would play that as being like, well, I've got to get back to them. And in this show, when she f- tries and fails to get back in time she breaks down and cries and is really upset as one would be if one felt like I'm never going to see my child again so some good things in there uh, and I had sort of given up on ever seeing anything good on the sci-fi channel so <laughs> I, I uh, continue and I'm, I'm enjoying that the as commercials aren't bad was Terminator on the sci-fi channel? no Fox no, that was Fox. a Fox that was a network uh, it's been a while we can still see, keep seeing her on like Game, of, Game of Thrones now. Got a lot yeah. of uh, Sci-Fi Channel's got a lot of the, uh, the, the well, reality well, well, shows these I, days. I like to assume these days, incidentally, that all shows with the same actors are canon. So I just assume right. that Sarah Connor is Queen Cersei. The, and you know, kind of a problem with the time I mean, travel. Going back in time across space. How the station agent got to Westeros, I really don't know. I don't That's know. Very but I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> That's very confusing. Sign me up. How Walter from Fringe got to Lord <laughs> of the Rings is beyond me. That's baffling to me. But oh well. I understand Ripson's. how Sean Bean did I, it. I, I can explain it in very one easy word. Uh, Observers. I was going to say, well, that's two words. The doctor. He just, he just moves people around. <laughs> there you go. All right, fair he, enough. He ferries people back and forth to all these different fair universes. Enough. Fair enough. All right, well, this has been good. And now this room that we're in is has proven its, me- its metal and is really hot and oppressive now because we've been, we're humans and we're heating the room ourselves with our bodies. So I'm going to wrap up this edition of The Incomparable. Um, and I would like to thank my guests. John Syracuse, thank you for being here. Winter just keeps coming and coming. It does. It doesn't stop. Someday it will be here. Someday it will be here. And the White Walkers, they're slow. They're, they've got canes. Walk. They actually are holding walkers. Maybe they're, they're lost. Maybe it's like, you know, 40 years in the Sinai Peninsula. It's like not a big place. Just start going they're south. They're going in circles. Yeah, going south. They don't Come know on. what they're doing. They can't get through. Uh, Dan Morin, thank you. Thanks. For, it's good to be here. I was going to say, John, that they're... In fact, those shots are out of time, so we're seeing shots from like 40 years Later. ago. <laughs> They'll make it eventually, but it's just it's, it's got non-linear. got cross through the time continuum. Yeah. And Serenity Caldwell, thank you. Thank you for having me. So until next time, on The Incomparable, this is Jason Snell signing off. <laughs>